Hi, this episode is part of our ongoing series about the history of Survivor. These episodes are topic specific and cover a variety of seasons and will contain a variety of spoilers. This episode in particular is talking about challenges and does contain spoilers for virtually all seasons of Survivor. So you have been warned. On another note, this series on Survivor history is going to be put on pause until the end of season 41. We will continue to bring you weekly recaps as well as interviews with former players who are legendary, but look forward to more of these broad conversations once Survivor 41 has finished airing. Everybody, 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 drop your Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. And I am Evan Ross Katz. Hi, Evan. Hi, Sean. I want to start by saying we have a little disclaimer to start with today, and that's because we are recording all of these episodes in advance, like far in advance, because we're gay and organized. Totally. And um, so I just want to say that when this comes out, I believe season 41 will have already started. So keep that in mind. We're not going to be talking about it because it hasn't happened yet. Okay, so let's shift gears because today we are going to talk about challenges, which is something that I didn't really anticipate that we would talk about, especially this early. Uh, And maybe I'll talk a little bit about why. But in my mind, challenges are like the last thing I'm looking forward to in Survivor, which is a little strange because they are so integral to every single episode and the trajectory of, especially often, uh, especially in modern Survivor, the winner's trajectory. Um, But for me, the challenges are always the moment in the show that I kind of tune out. And in going back and reviewing what challenges I've loved and iconic challenges from the past and sort of the recurring challenges of modern Survivor, I think I'm starting to figure out why and we can dissect that a little bit. But I'm wondering, Evan, how do you watch challenges and like what kind of weight do you put on challenges when you're watching the show? It's interesting because as as you pointed out, I think there's definitely, as there's been an evolution in the game and of the gameplay, there's also been an evolution of the challenges. Um, there's like a, a, a viral tweet that went around early on in quarantine that was kind of like a super cut of like Jeff just giving directions to a challenge. And basically the joke of it being that it's at this point now where it's just like jump over a hoop, go through a net, climb over a thing, solve a puzzle. It's just, it goes on and on and on. They've gotten really intricate while remaining really boring in in a strange way. Mm -hmm. It's like in this effort to make them really complex, they've actually become quite simple and formulaic. But I'm a big fan of the challenges. I tend to like them more when they're um, tribal challenges because you get to kind of see people forming relationships through activity 
which I think is different than forming relationships through camp life. There are a couple moments, particularly early on, when you see a group of people that did not choose to be together excel at something and go into a celebration mode. And like, there's even instances when it's like enemies on a tribe who collectively have either won immunity or won a reward. And you kind of see them bonding over something bigger than their hate for one another, which is either food or survival. So I, I tend to tune in, but like you also said, it really depends on the challenge because yeah. there are many challenges on the show, many evolutions of them, and there's also one-offs and then ones that get done over and over again, some of which we love. So I, I kind of, I'm definitely tuned into them, but I'm, you know, it's particular to what challenge it is. Yeah, well, what's interesting about it is that the winner so often is a challenge beast, especially these days, because they've had to win immunity challenges. We talked about this a little bit with Kelly Wigglesworth and and the need that she had to go on an immunity streak in season one in order to stay in the game. And when I look at who are challenge beasts and there are so many winners on the list, like a Mike Holloway or like a Bob Crowley, you get these usually guys uh, who are really strong and athletic and or Bob Crowley. <laughs> and and they are able to make it to the end by winning immunity challenges. And I at once can appreciate that, but also see it as such a weight on my enjoyment of the show because it feels like they're getting a free pass because they happen to be strong, like a Mike Holloway, for example. Um, and while I really don't care for Mike at all, I also didn't care for anybody who was trying to get him voted out of his season, the opposing alliance. And so it's like this double-edged sort of like, I'm tired of him just literally getting by on winning challenges but i'm also happy to see this other alliance essentially have to eat themselves before they eat him so i'm just i'm very conflicted about it i feel much better about it when a woman is winning challenges and a woman is going on uh, an immunity streak or something like that so i'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth here but when we're talking about women in challenges, it doesn't seem that often anymore that we get huge challenge beasts who are women. I mean, I think that has to do, and this is going to be a larger theme within this episode and of this podcast, but I think that Survivor as a game, in its less in its ideation and more in what it's grown to become, but is a game designed for men to excel. And so I think more often than not, you you see women just being at a disadvantage from the outset because of their muscle mass, because of, I think a lot about like any kind of like running challenge, like the ones when they have to, this tends to happen a lot. And like, I think it's the late twenties where they have to like run up a huge thing of stairs and then go down a slide. Mm -hmm. And it's like more often than not, men have bigger strides than women because they're more often than not taller. And so there are just physical advantages that men start with um, that the game sometimes accounts for. You'll see certain challenges when they're holding weight and they will do the weight, you know, based off of the person, they will do the amount of weight that the person is holding is based off of how much they weigh. But too often than not, I think that by design, the show favors men. And so 
I think that's why I really love Borneo so much for a couple of reasons, challenge-wise, mainly because of just how simple the challenges are, but also I kind of love a challenge when it's just like, stand on this pole, who can do yes. it the longest? And it's yes. not really about muscle, it's not about gender, it's really not even about ability. I think that those sort of uh, willpower challenges that are really integral to the early, like the first maybe 10 or so seasons, they really fall by the wayside. Those are always my favorite. Well, the thing is they have brought back the endurance challenge in a way that is so frustrating. And I think that the reason is that there was a lot of criticism back sort of like in the late 20s about the number of challenges that favored men versus women. And so around like season 31, you start to get a whole lot of challenges that are quote unquote endurance, but not in the sense of standing on a pole or holding an idol or anything like that. It's balance three balls on a stick that's attached to another stick and just stand there or you know, uh, hold a pin against a board that's over your head. Right. And so they're designed to be finished much more quickly. Right. Uh, because you're adding all of these various elements. It's really balancing. I think of them as balancing challenges. They're not endurance challenges per se. And so now I think they're almost overcompensating for the pure physical challenges with like, it feels like five of those per season of just balancing something or spelling the letters on a balancing beam like in uh, Heroes, Hustlers, Healers. And you'll do the balancing thing sometimes and like five people will drop out within 30 seconds and Jeff will act like it's the craziest thing. Five people are out in under (laughs) a minute. And it's like, yeah, they're fucking balancing a ball on a little stick. So yeah, that's going to happen. Well, speaking of which, Jeff has also just, I mean... This happened a long time ago. This happened in the teens. But the way Jeff (sighs) narrates a challenge is truly the most grating thing about this show. And I think everyone would agree with that. By a long shot. And it's funny because watching it in order right now, um, you start to see, as you mentioned, like in the teens, you start to see where it comes in. And it's a little earnest in the beginning as he sort of finds his footing. But the thing about Jeff is in his narration, beyond it just being overly enthusiastic, to say the least, there are the players, like Rob Mariano, for instance, who Jeff favors, that when they do well in challenges, Jeff cannot contain his enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And so you start to see the players that Jeff has a vested interest in. I think a great example of that, mind you, I have not seen season 40 All Winners, but Parvati, or Poverty, as uh, as Jeff calls her in her first two seasons, he has very little interest in her and Cook Islands within the challenges, despite the fact that she's a pretty good physical player. And then in the later seasons when she comes back, particularly Heroes versus Villains, he suddenly sort of recognizes the physical beast that she is. And so that's one aspect of Jeff, among many, uh, particularly within the challenges, that challenges me. I have noticed in sort of the late 30s seasons that his enthusiasm for the narration has gotten to a point where he can't even keep up with himself. So he'll be screaming like, you know, so-and-so is has the ball in their hand, they're running, but and and they're doing so well, but in the time that he has said that, they've already dropped the ball. Yep. And he's like, but they lost it. And so there's so often that it's like, 
I can't believe that in post-production that they haven't toned it down just a little bit because it's so wild how often he's not even narrating what's happening. He's narrating what happened like a minute ago. Right. He also does this thing where he acts like something happened out of nowhere, but the challenges are literally designed in such a way more often than not that that's the point. So I think a lot about these challenges where they're trying to balance, uh, they're trying to balance something, right? There's like one, for instance, I'm going to be bad at describing it, but they're in a circle and there's a, they're all holding ropes and there's a little scent, a piece in the center Mm. and they're trying to stack letters on top of that. Right. And so the challenge is designed so that the further up you get in sort of balancing those those letters, the harder it's going to get because it's a taller tower that you're building. So, of course, when people get to the very end, they more often than not tend to tip over and have to start over. But Jeff does this narration every time when they get to the end where he cannot believe that they were so close (laughs) and the tower fell. And it's like, yeah, Jeff. So it's frustrating as a viewer because I think as just level-headed people watching the show, you kind of want Jeff to match your energy. There was a time when I was like, oh, it's kind of cute, but after this many seasons, it's you kind of want there to be a happy medium where Jeff just, it, it's very Taylor Swift, you need to calm down, where it's like, just take a deep breath, Jeff. Take a deep breath. It is funny. It's like Jeff is watching a challenge for the first time in his Every life. Every time. Every time. Yep. Okay, let's spend a little bit of time talking about challenge beasts. Those contestants who are excelling at challenges pretty consistently over the course of their seasons and or season if they only played once. And there's been a lot of work put into compiling lists of challenge beasts based on their performance both individually and in tribes and in Redemption Island duels. Uh, There's a lot of angles that you can look at this from, but generally speaking, we've pulled out some of the top challenge beasts based on the information that's out there. A lot of people have put a lot of work into this. There's a lot of great YouTube videos that you can find about who's, uh, who, who are the biggest challenge beasts out there. So let's very quickly talk about the men because we don't need to spend a lot of time talking about men on this podcast. We never do. And not for nothing, I think a lot of the men are given opportunities to be challenge beats more than women. There are a lot of challenges, particularly when it's group challenges, in which you know you, it relies on, for instance, slingshotting some kind of mechanism and knocking over something. And more often than not, you're allowed to have one player do it, and the tribe agrees to have their quote-unquote strongest man do it. And so, like I said, I think that there are often times where women are not even given the opportunity to excel at a challenge so with that in mind yeah real quick the men um who when you think of male challenge beasts who comes to mind for you immediately the immediate person that comes to mind is ozzy i think he's the classic challenge beast but then by extension i think joe is also an undisputable challenge beast besides being an irl beast but (laughs) there's some though that are surprising like Bob Crowley is... (laughs) None more surprising than Bob Crowley. None more surprising. And he's only played once. He only played in Gabon. But based on the fact that he won almost every single challenge that he participated in and went on this immunity streak towards the end that just gave nobody a chance, that one is a really bizarre one. And I don't think that you really have an example like that on the female side, which we'll get to in a minute. 
Right. I also think it's worth noting when you look at challenge beasts like Mike Holloway or uh, Terry Dietz, for instance, you have examples of people that are excelling in challenges when their back is up against the wall, which I think is also just narratively really interesting when you see someone who's not just good at the challenges, but good at them at a time when they need to be good at them, as opposed to like an Aussie, for instance, who is absolutely a challenge beast without it, without a doubt. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, maybe my memory is lapsing here, but I don't feel like unless we're talking Redemption Island, I feel like for the most mm -hmm. part, especially in his earlier seasons, uh, Ozzy was more known for helping a tribe to win challenges. Yeah, well, I think the notable thing about Ozzy is Redemption Island, which, of course, is one of my least favorite seasons ever. But in that season... You mean season, South Pacific, though, just to be clear. Sorry, sorry. South Pacific, the twist being Redemption Island, um, is that in that season he was on redemption island he actually chose to be sent to redemption island because he knew that he could take out another challenge beast from that season who was christine shields who was winning every duel up to that point Bring and they were back. concerned yeah they were concerned that she was going to re-enter the game and so ozzy volunteered to go beat her which he did and then he continued to get voted out uh, every time he re-entered the game but he managed to maintain his winning streak throughout the entire season which is pretty impressive up until the moment when it really counted at the final immunity and he lost but that is what it is totally otherwise i think the classic male challenge beast at least in my mind is colby like the original i mean the original is kelly wigglesworth who we'll talk about but in my mind when i'm thinking about male challenge beasts like the very original is Colby in right. Australian Outback, not in Heroes versus Villains. I was gonna say, I think that Colby is such an interesting example to sort of pull out in showing sort of like the evolution of challenges over time and how someone like Colby is able to come in in season two Australian Outback, be this total challenge beast and then come back in for season 20 Heroes versus Villains and like not only not be a challenge beast, but be like considered a total flop to the point where his fellow tribe mates are openly making fun of the fact that he cannot win at challenges. Even Colby himself recognizes his ineptitude. And I don't think that's wholly because like Colby had gotten worse at the challenges. I think the challenges had changed. I also think the caliber of physical players had been upped since the Australian Outback. Um, mm. And also at that point too, people have a better sense of what the challenges are, right? I mean, you think about these early seasons and like people were learning the game of Survivor, especially in something like season two. Whereas you look at these seasons, especially in the 30s, People grew up watching this show. There's certain challenges that appear all the time and that people are able to work at sort of like, you know, testing their skills in the lead up to coming on the show. So I definitely think Colby's a great example of not only someone who like wavered in sort of their title, but also just sort of showcasing how much the challenges themselves have changed. Yeah, that's an interesting one because I could certainly see that with regards to something like puzzles. I mean, people talk about how they practice puzzles. They will go out and buy complicated survivor-style puzzles and practice them before going out to the island. Um, but in Heroes vs. Villains, Colby really, although he, he looks like he's in peak physical shape, I mean, he looks amazing on Heroes vs. Villains, but he isn't quite able to perform there's this challenge that they do where uh, they're all tied to ropes and the rope is all sort of intertangled in a fence and they have to get through the entire thing. 
and Colby is just struggling. And even James, who had an injured knee, beats him like far and away. And uh, so it's 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 a really weird one with with Colby because it's not like that challenge could have easily appeared in Australian Outback. It didn't, but it could have. Um, so it wasn't necessarily like a modern style challenge, but he's still totally flopped. And I, I don't get it, but that's kind of what made his story endearing in Heroes versus Villains, I will say. Colby is a rare example of a challenge beast who's a man that I really love. Yeah, without a doubt. I also think that and Colby has spoken to this, and not to tangent too much about Colby, but I think Colby's head was less in the game in Heroes versus Villains, and so I think his uh, lack of success in the challenges had a lot, not so much to do with his lack of physical strength as much as just, I don't think he ever really found his footing in the game. Mm. But with that in mind, enough about the men, period. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about some female challenge beasts when we say female challenge beast, who for you is the one that comes top of mind? Well, this is a tricky one because, okay, of course there's Kelly Wigglesworth, who we talked about uh, in detail in a previous episode. She really went on a challenge streak that took a long time for anybody to beat. There was a lot of tying, but there wasn't a lot of beating. But And, and she did it with her back against the wall. I mean, if you watch Borneo, Kelly was on the outs with the Toggy Alliance, and they actually wanted to vote her out. And she needed to win immunity, and she did again and again and again. Now, outside of her, it's kind of hard to pin down who is a female challenge beast, and I think that speaks to how infrequently women are going on challenge win streaks. And so when you actually look at the stats and you see somebody like Chrissy from HVHVHVH, (laughs) who who really went on a streak. I mean, she is, I think, statistically the number one female challenge beast. And in my mind, I go, oh, yeah, of course, when I see her name there. But if I'm just thinking generally, I do think of people like Parvati. Um, I think of Amanda. But I don't actually think that they are statistically that high up there. I just know that Parvati is really great at some of those endurance challenges, you know, like hanging onto a pole, anything that requires holding your arm above your head attached to, uh, you know, a bucket of water. She's great at those. But does she have the physical strength that pushes her through an obstacle course? I don't know. I think, too, it's worth noting the difference between being like, a challenge beast and sort of a, a contender because a lot of the people you're talking about, uh, specifically like when I think of like Parvati or Amanda, it's not so much that I necessarily think of them as challenge beasts so much as them being really formidable opponents. Whereas mm. there are some players on, you know, not on either of these lists, but that come in and you're sort of just like from the outset, you know that when the challenge begins, it's just a matter of seconds until they're out. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of these players, I don't know if they're necessarily, there's their record might not show them to be some of the greats at challenges, but they certainly, um, like I said, are formidable component, are, are formidable contestants. I don't know. They're formidable. And uh, I think that's one thing that sort of uh, differentiates someone like an Amanda or a Parvati is that they're definitely good at challenges. Yeah. Are they beasts? That, that's a good point. And what another interesting point is that when you look at the top 10 list of overall challenge beasts in Survivor, again, this is depending on where you're pulling your data from, women really don't show up in that list. Maybe one, maybe two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's disappointing. And I think that speaks to the challenges over the course of the show's history favoring 
men over women. Can I just mention one, because I'm currently watching Ghost Island right now, and there was a challenge as we were getting ready to record this episode, I was watching this and I was like, oh my God, this is such a good example of what you're talking about, which is that each, the tribes are split into five and five, two men on both tribes are in a boat and have to steer through the water where the three women because just it just so happens that there are six women and four men left at this point and so you have two men in each of the boats and you have the six women three on each on each tribe that are literally locked in a cage the the two men have to steer their boat over to the cage unlock the damsel in distress put her on the boat and then steer to the next one and unlock the next damsel in distress. And it's such a good example of one of my fundamental issues with this show is that so often, and I say issue, I love it. I can love, I can, I can criticize the thing that I love. Um, but it's just an example of like these two men get to sort of be the heroes and these two and these three women are sort of just left their one task in the challenge is just to get out of the cage and sit in the boat. And so it's such a great example of like, whoever is designing these challenges is not often giving everyone involved, let alone something to do, but also like dignifying their worth within the challenge as being something more than just human locked in cage. Yeah. But is that, so was that a choice that they made? Did they assign the roles? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that, but I'm, I'm going to guess that they chose it that way because it's a giant boat that you have to steer through the water. So really yeah. it comes down to muscle mass and actually your weight. And upper body the, strength. Yeah, but also the yeah. more you weigh, the more you're going to hold down that boat. So yes, I do think that they chose it that way, but I also think the design of the challenge was such where mm -hmm. they weren't the, the producers or the challenge designers, whoever, weren't thinking about thinking through of something like that and also just like what about like maybe once they're free from the cage they could contribute in some way but it's literally and even like the men even have to get up to the thing the women are not allowed to help the men with the ropes so it's like literally like their job is to just wait in the cage and right. I don't know I couldn't help but look at that as being a moment of just like if I were one of these women during this challenge I would just be so frustrated at not being able to do anything yeah Somebody else I think of who's really strong who just came to mind is is Natalie Anderson. And she doesn't really appear on any of these lists. And maybe it's because she didn't have a whole lot of individual wins. Now I'm my now I'm my mind is going foggy. But there's somebody who's super strong who should be a challenge beast. And I don't know if it's because because of the her opponents when she was actually competing or the challenges themselves. Um, but she's not in this list. But for modern contestants who do appear on challenge beast lists we have slay shell fitzgerald andrea belke um wait Laura for people Moritz. that don't know for people that don't know can you just explain who who slay shell fitzgerald is please slay shell michelle winner of korong um gay people know uh andrea belke's on this list actually quite high up and uh, that sort of surprises me um, because I don't think of her. But she has, Andrea actually has a really great challenge moment in a challenge that she didn't win, which was the challenge where you hang on to the pole. Yeah, yeah. where you hang <laughs> on to the pole and there's grooves all the way up and, and you can inch your way down. And she's just done at the top and, and drops all the way down. And it's a real hard fall, but I appreciate her for that. 
one more challenge bees to I was shocked to see appear in lists of female challenge bees is one of our all-time favorite Marquesas contestants, Kathy Fabric O'Brien. Kathy, if you're listening, we've tried you on multiple Instagram pages that are yours, <laughs> and we want nothing more than to get you on this podcast, please. If somebody knows Kathy, yeah. please. If, you, if, if Kathy has sold you a home, because she is a realtor now, if Kathy has sold you your <laughs> home, please get her in touch with us or, or, or have her help us find her. It's almost buy a home just so we can talk to her. <laughs> yeah, period. <laughs> <laughs> or at least but- show some interest. Yeah, Kathy Kathy shows up in this list and I had to go back and look, okay, well, what did she win? And she actually did win a lot in Marquesas and uh, I didn't look at her record in All-Stars, but she did do a great job in Marquesas and I actually rewatched a challenge that she won, which is, uh, I think I think they call the challenge Sea Legs, which uh, was an early prototype to the challenge they do now where they stand in the water on top of like a pyramid. So this was just a plain flat dock and they you can't touch the dock uh, and you're just balancing out there amid turbulent waves. And Kathy just has this way of staying up where she swings her arms around anytime a wave comes to balance herself. And she's just like, she looks so strong and so great in the challenge. And I just love watching all the men fall out ahead of her. And she wins and Jeff is like, you want this? immunity necklace and she's like yeah and then she just does like the worst dive into the water it's just such a great moment and i love kathy and you know it's it's fun to imagine had kathy been back would she rise up this list even absolutely and not for nothing i mean if you if you look at this list male or female you know talking about players like andrea and parvati and ozzy and joe and colby etc these are all players that you would look at and not be surprised to learn that they were challenge beasts but i really feel like kathy and bob are the two outliers here mm-hmm. in the sense that you would look at them and quite probably think the exact opposite you would not especially bob you're not looking at bob and saying challenge beast so i really wish that there were more bob and kathy types we haven't gotten one into the 20s or the 30s at all and hopefully maybe some will come along in the 40s but someone that you just don't peg as being such and then they completely surprise you i feel like the majority of this list you look at and you're like well yeah of course they would be a challenge beast so Justice for Kathy, and let's hope that this rumored legend season plays out and that it's uh, spearheaded by Kathy herself. Because she is the legend. The. It literally goes Elizabeth Hasselbeck, Kathy. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk some favorite challenges because I have a lot of challenges I don't love. The, The vast majority I don't love. I really don't love the obstacle courses unless it's sort of the, you know, when they do the final Uh, immunity challenge obstacle course that's like a spider web yeah i like that but the sort of standard like you know jump uh, jump over this wall and then jump over another wall and then gather some puzzle pieces and knock something down like those are classic tune out for me but there are some amazing amazing challenges that some are unfortunately put to rest some are continuing on. So I want to hear from you first, Evan. Do you have a favorite challenge? Yeah, without a doubt. I have two that are similar. So one is the gross food challenge. 
um, mm. which is by far my favorite, and I really do feel like is a Survivor signature and mm -hmm. kind of shows you, when you meet a Survivor fan, you can kind of tell how long they've been watching the show by their level of familiarity with the Gross Food Challenge. Um, there are so many moments. I mean, right now on Ghost Island, do you remember the woman that eats the giant slug and just shoves it down her throat, the full slug? Ah. <sighs> I don't know her I, name. She's a she's a military veteran. Um, oh my god, that was one moment I really will stay with me forever. And then of course all of the balloots. Um, anytime you have to eat, especially uh -huh. Denise eating the balloot Denise. in China. But I just think the gross food challenge. It, oh, also of course Kimmy in Australian Outback. Very yeah. very memorable with the is it squid ink that's on her tongue. She had squid ink on her tongue. She refused to eat the cow brain. Yeah. The, it just the, the visual of her opening her tongue out uh, is, yeah. it stays with me as like one of those strong survivor visuals. Also, a kind of forgotten gross food challenge that is probably the thing that I've seen on Survivor that I had the strongest physical reaction to was in uh, Survivor Africa when mm. they have to drink the pig, or excuse me, when they have to drink the cow's blood, just those big cups of cow's blood. And then Jeff mixes the cow's blood with milk at one yeah. point. And it's just, oh my God, is it wild. So I, I think that they've, I mean, I know, again, I'm on season 36 right now. They've just brought back the Gross Food Challenge, but it's one that comes in and out that I wish was on more. And then one other I one I remember, quick. sorry, I remember when the Cow Blood Challenge happened, Rosie O'Donnell was furious. Like, I remember her being furious because I, of course, watched the Rosie O'Donnell show every day. And I remember her talking about the cow blood challenge, saying it totally turned her off, like she might stop watching Survivor. Of course, she went on to host the reunion the next season, so she didn't stop watching. But I that when I think of the cow blood challenge, I think of Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> I mean, it's effing gross, and I'm, I'm with you, Rosie. Although we both, well, we both stuck it out. I don't know if Rosie stuck it out as long as us. But um, And then the other one real quick is just, they've done this several times now, where they have the pig dangling, and then people have mm. to come. They have their hands tied behind their back, and they have to rip pig meat. I, I think it's a pig. They have to rip yeah. the meat off using their teeth, and then they have to bring it over to a trough, and whoever's trough, whatever tribe's trough weighs the most at the end. There are some really funny moments that have come out of this challenge, particularly of people helping to rip food out yeah. of each other's mouths. Um, that is really funny, and I just feel like, again, it's one of those challenges that's very equitable in terms of you don't need to weigh a certain amount, you don't need to have any certain type of muscle in order to be good at it, and those are tend to be my favorite challenges. So those are the two for me. Uh, do you have a favorite challenge? Yeah, I mean, my standard favorite challenge of all time is, it's called Hand on Heart Idol. It's the classic final three challenge introduced in season one where you literally put your hand on the immunity idol and keep it there as long as you want to be there. I think that is the perfect endurance challenge. It's the perfect test of will and the perfect test of how badly do you want this? And I just wish that we had that kind of endurance challenge still to this day. We don't really see long, long endurance challenges anymore. So there's hand on heart idol. There's also the perch is, is another common one where you're standing on a perch in the water and you just stand there. I think uh, there was a version of that in season one. There's uh, another version, the, the sort of like common version begins in season two. And there's been so many great moments like in the Amazon when uh, Jenna oh. and Heidi take off their clothes on their perches for uh, food. And of course, 
uh, an iconic moment was when they did the perch as the final three immunity challenge in Palau and Ian gives up his spot he gives it up to Tom in order to make good with Katie is like such a sort of like emotional moment and they have tribal right there and uh, Ian just goes home so I just love love a long like classic endurance challenge I think it's it should not be riveting on television but it is well, so the, I have two points about that. One, I feel like this kind of shows the gameplay evolution in the sense that there's almost like a lack of patience today because when you do see endurance challenges, it'll kind of be like you'll have round one and then they'll make the endurance, they'll make it harder somehow, right? They'll make the perch narrower or they'll do something that where they have to, they have less, they're, you know, they have more weight on them or something. And I just miss the days when it's like, no, 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 it, there's nothing else to it. It's just going to be this thing. I think another reason why that might have gone away and why it works so well in the early seasons is dynamic casting. Um, I think that one of the reasons why, you know, you mentioned that Palau moment, but even the uh, the Amazon moment, for instance, it's like, you know, that moment where they take off their tops works so well because of who Jenna and Heidi are and the fact that there are all these men like Rob Sesternino watching. Like there, And then again, with the Ian and Katie of it all, the, the drama that goes on there, it's, it's all interpersonal, right? It has nothing to do mm-hmm. really so much with the challenge so much as everything else that has taken place culminating in this challenge. And so I think that to do the Hand on Hard Idol in the modern seasons, it depends. Not to say there are no good characters in modern season, but you don't get moments like Rudy and and Susan and Richard. Like you don't get three dynamic characters like that in the end as often as you did in those early seasons. But I'm with you. I just think here's the thing: you got to do it. It has again has nothing to do with how much you weigh, how much muscle you have. It's just how much you want it. I really I miss that aspect of the game. Yeah, I almost wonder if it's like a production issue, like a union issue, like because these things would <laughs> yeah. go on for 13, 16 hours. And I feel like in modern Survivor, people put, are pushing themselves so hard and want it so bad. Like this could go 24 hours, I feel like. Um, so it may also be just a practical thing, but I do miss it a lot. Uh, another one that I really, really, really love is one that doesn't come up very often. It's called Hot Pursuit. So it was introduced in Palau and essentially it's a pre-merge challenge. So it's tribe against tribe and each person is given like a weighted backpack or something like that, a weighted pack that they have to carry with them. And then the tribes just chase each other around a track and the first tribe to catch the other tribe wins. And it can go on for so long and people get so tired. So individual members of the tribe can drop out but if they drop out they have to pass their weight off to another member of the tribe and in Palau it was just riveting like it was just riveting because they were so even in it and then they so slowly start to catch each other and it's just like great great tv they did it also in Cook Islands, Gabon and Caramoan and every time I just love it. It's so good, and it's also one of those great survivor challenges that's, yes, it's very physical, but there's strategy involved, right? Like, the decision in terms of when do you get the weak players that are holding you back out, because even weak players are helping in the beginning because they're shouldering some weight, but at Mm -hmm. what point do you decide, okay, this player, although they're shouldering weight, they're ultimately slowing us down, 
And so I think that aspect makes it really fun to watch as you're watching this tribe negotiate and strategize in real time during the challenge. And then also there's just something about like watching another tribe encroaching and doing it slowly yeah. that like gets your adrenaline rushing as a viewer. Yeah. yeah. So rarely can a tribe come back from getting, you know, creeped up on. Uh, but it's still just like, it's so fun to watch. But I do want to highlight quickly that that, I love that challenge too, but that's another example of like male domination in the game by design. Because at the end of the day, more often than not, not always, but men are going to be able to, especially the men that play this particular game and how it's cast, men are going to be able to shoulder more weight than the women. So it's in the end, not only are the women tend to be out quickly in this challenge, but it's the men that get to say they won it for the tribe. So when we talk about track record, and resume on the show a a challenge like this is a great example of sort of like the favoring of machismo the favoring of muscles the favoring of dominant men and sort of the way in which they are given carte blanche to take over the game quite often yeah what other ones do you love Let's see. I know we have touchy subjects on the list as one that I really, really love that I wish would come back a lot, uh, come back more. That's when tribe members vote, this person is the most likely to, this person's the biggest, and you win by choosing the answer that you think the tribe is going to collectively come to agreement on. So for instance, it might be like, who do you think uh, causes the most disruptions around camp? And again, you want to answer the person that you think the whole tribe is, not necessarily who you think the answer is. And this is a really fun one because it's interpersonal, right? It allows Mm -hmm. the tribe members to interact. There's also great opportunity for comedy. I feel like someone that doesn't watch Survivor the way you and I and the listener do might think of this show as being like strategy heavy and like dramatic. And it is. But Survivor often is a very funny show. And I feel like this is an example of a challenge that allows for the comedy and that allows for you to have this dynamic in which the stakes are both really high, but there's also people just kind of having a good time because there are gonna be people in this challenge who don't need the win. Um, And then you're also gonna have really sore losers come out in this tribe and people that, you know, because this is a challenge that can be bigger than the game, right? People learn things, you see tribe members learn about the way they are perceived by others for the first time, and that can be really interesting. So I feel like this is a fun challenge, not only as a viewer, but in terms of moving the game forward, like intellectually. Yeah, there's a really great moment from this challenge in Panama Exile Island when Courtney is getting all of the negative answers. Who is the most annoying person out here? (laughs) Everybody says Courtney, except Courtney. Obviously you're surprised. By being the right answer for everything? Yeah, it makes it feel great. (laughs) And then one of the next questions is, Who is the biggest poser? Somebody's feelings about to get hurt. What is a poser? (laughs) Reveal. The answer to what is a poser is you. (laughs) And she took it so personally. She took it so personally. She brought it back to camp. And I just think moments like that that propel the interpersonal drama forward are so great. And what a great use of a challenge. Right. Also, it's just nice to have a challenge that's not so physical. I mean, yes, I think a lot of us tune in because we love these big physical challenges. But when you start to see them at nauseam over time, 
you know, and you also, there are certain players that you know are never going to be good at physical challenges. And so Survivor's solution to that too often is, well, they'll, they'll be the puzzle makers, right? But it's fun to see a challenge that's the intellect is something beyond just puzzle making, because that sort of can grow tired. Another challenge I really like that I just thought of is and this happens a lot in modern when they have to sort of like sit on the stool and they have to build a sort of uh, castle figure using the foot only their fetish feet. challenge. Yeah. <laughs> and that one is fun too because, and there are several challenges that have this same dynamic, which is that you can get really far, but it becomes really, really challenging towards the end, not only because you're having to build higher up at the end, uh, but your abs are fatigued at that point from having to, you know, use all that core strength. And I think that's a fun one in that you can see people that aren't big physical threats sort of take over in the game because uh, people make critical errors throughout and they'll get really far and then all of a sudden they're back at square one. So that's one I definitely like because I can remember, the names are slipping my mind, but I can remember people excelling in that challenge who I had completely counted out. So that's a fun one. Yeah, that one honestly grosses me out a little bit because I hate seeing all their nasty feet (laughs) after being on an island for so long, the close-ups. Yeah. Uh, Well, we have the... Dearly Departed Survivor Auction. Let's talk about it. Like, I love the Survivor Auction. It's such a nice, chill challenge where up until a certain point in the show's history, it was always like a reprieve to get the auction. It was like, everyone's going to leave happy. Everyone will get something if they play their cards right. And we're all going to have fun and we're all going to laugh. And then we can go back to being miserable. Um... But at some point it got broken, uh, and I think that was in Worlds Apart, it got broken. Yes. And, you know, it got broken because the show started adding items that would help you in the game into the auction. And so people would hold out for those items or pool their money if they were allowed to get those items. It became a challenge that was no longer a fun challenge about getting to eat a little bit of food. It became just trying to get an advantage, which would almost always ensure that you win the next challenge, which is like, okay, what's the point of this? So I think I would love to see them bring back the auction, remove the advantage aspect of it, and like, let's just have some fun again, because I think it always came at just the right moment. You know, it's a post-merge challenge. Everyone's, you know, tensions are high, and I think it's just a really nice little reprieve. And you think of like moments like in Token Sheens, for example, when Taj wins a video message from her husband and uh, it's on his her little sprint phone. And at the end of the message, he says, I'll see you back in camp. And it totally doesn't register with her. It takes like a good like 30 seconds. And then she like flips out. And it's just such a great moment. If you want to see a really good uh, auction moment, happens in Gabon. Um, it's between Randy and Sugar, mm. and Randy accepts. I forget the the exact specifics, but Randy accepts these cookies on behalf of the tribe, but doesn't offer one to Sugar, who's his big adversary at that point. And then instead gives two cookies to Maddie, and because he no 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 no, this isn't how it happens. This is how it happens. I believe that it's that Randy buys the cookies, which can only be shared with the tribe or have to be shared with the tribe. And Sugar says she doesn't want one. So he says something like, okay, well then I'm going to eat Sugar's because he gave all the rest away. And she goes, actually, I'll have mine. So she takes hers and hands it to Maddie so that Randy in the end doesn't get a cookie. 
Randy offers Sugar his own cookie. She takes it and gives it to Maddie. Yeah. Would you like to repeat that? Wow. <laughs> but yes, I, I agree bringing it back. And to your point too, I think this is an example of ways in which like the game can be unbroken, right? Like aspects of the game. So it's as simple as, as taking away that advantage. I will say one of my frustrations in watching the... Um, the auction in some of the early seasons was before they introduced the advantage, you would see people that would just wait a long time to bid on something. And especially towards the, you know, the back half of the auction, you get a lot of covered items. And so at that point you really don't know necessarily what you're getting. You can end up with, you know, pig brains and, you know, maybe that's your thing, but more often than not, you know, you're, you're taking a little bit of a risk. And in the beginning, those first couple food items that come out, you know, sometimes they would bring out like a cheeseburger and fries. And I'm just thinking, Bet $500. Like, yeah, throw I don't all understand. your money that, and get it. That's like, what I always think. That's what I always think. Okay, and you so see people pre- doing this like $100, $150, $170. And I would just be like, here's my $500. I am guaranteeing that I'm leaving here with a cheeseburger and fries. Yes. Yes. I never understood that. I truly 100% agree with you. It's like, what I are you waiting for? The second you see a decent plate of food, $500. Done. Done. What else am I going to get? Especially later on when you can no longer... You'll be so full that you're going to be sick to your stomach anyways. Exactly. And later on, you can no longer even share money. So at that point, mm-hmm. it's like you're not even saving up with the hope of maybe you know $500 all in. But yes, I agree. One aspect, though, that I think made the auction particularly fun in the early seasons is, especially when people were really starving... I was just saying to Billy, my boyfriend recently, I don't enjoy watching people eat on this show in the 30s the way I used to in like the early, early seasons. I think partially because the rewards are just constantly so much more food than they used to be. But I remember in those like early seasons, especially like the first 10, when they would just watch as a viewer, watching starving people eat felt so... I don't know if validating, vindicating, I don't even know the word for it, but I just remember that feeling of just being like, especially when I was a a person that I liked getting to watch them like have sustenance for the first time. So there were moments at the auction when it was just like such a relief to see someone actually eat something. Whereas nowadays you go on the reward and you're getting like a 10 course meal. Whereas Mm -hmm. back in that day, it's like this really was an opportunity to have what could be your only substantial meal because you remember in those early seasons, I mean, Doritos would be an entire (laughs) reward. Like there were times in which people were not as fed as they are today. So I think we're in agreement. And and to that to to that point on the auction in the early days, I remember he would bring out. I can't think of the specific example, but he would he'd uncover the item and it would be like five potato chips, and they'd start bidding on it, and that was like fun to watch because then when you did have a big meal, it was like oh now we're now we're upping the stakes here. Totally. But like, how desperate are these people? That's fun to watch. Right. Okay, another one that I really love is Breathing Room, which is a little bit of a torture chamber where they have to swim out into open water and there is a cage set up that is, uh, that the top of the cage is just above the water line and they have to hang on underneath the cage and just stay there as long as they can but as the tide starts rising, the space between the waterline and the cage shrinks. And so they have to sort of mash their face through the cage to continue breathing. And then eventually uh, in like Micronesia, for example, they're completely submerged and having to like create these 
uh, little snorkels with their hands over their mouths just to try to stay in there. And Micronesia is a good example. I think that's where Jason Siska beat Ozzy. But a really great example of this uh, was when Brenda played it, I believe in Karamoan, and Brenda won so hard that she didn't even know that she won. She was just left there and Jeff had to go send somebody to tell her that she had won and like get her out of the cage. And I love Brenda. So it was a great moment for her. Yeah, I definitely definitely enjoy that one as well. And I also like any challenge that sort of embraces the elements of, of mm-hmm. where they are. And I think that's a great example of you're literally having to wait for the tide to rise, right? And that's just a very real aspect of uh, living in, in, these, in these places that they are. So I kind of like the idea that everyone knows this thing is encroaching, but they don't know when it's going to happen and it's going to happen really slowly. And I think that's one thing I, I, I totally enjoy and I wish there was more of. Has this been a, this one hasn't been really brought back, has it? Uh, I haven't seen it a whole lot. That is definitely a fun one. I feel like people, I, I would imagine if you were training for Survivor, you know, right now, like in the 40s, I don't think holding your breath would be the kind of thing that one would yeah. think that they need to have in their arsenal <laughs> anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. What do you think about the ultra like body contact physical style challenges like the sumo challenges or you're on a perch and you're smashing someone with like a, a giant board or you're holding onto a pole and someone's trying to rip you off the pole? Well, those are two very different uh, things to break down, but I love them. I love them. And I remember really starting to track uh, the show starting to love them. Um, I don't remember the exact moment that it happened, but once you saw it appear on the show, it became a staple for quite some time, just because the intensity of some of these moments. I mean, I think particularly about that Randy James battle in yeah. um, Heroes versus Sorry, <laughs> I think about that Randy James battle in Heroes versus Villains, and when James knocks out Randy. And you have this combination of these two really dynamic players and you have James who is really feeling his oats and Randy who is pissed. So yes, I really do like that. So to the other one that you mentioned, the having to rip people off of the pole and then drag them across, that one, I love watching it too. It can get really intense though. I have a big when I watch men putting their hands on women mm-hmm. and and there's several this happens in that challenge there's also the challenge in the water sometimes where they have to like get to a pole and sometimes it'll be like three people from yeah. each tribe and sometimes they'll do combos where it's like uh, two women and a man and you'll see men kind of like really grabbing a woman and like throwing her in the water and I understand that's the challenge that they were tasked with but there's just something about watching a man put his hands on a woman or even instances of like I know there's ones in which like men have like dragged women through the sand and yeah. I have to be honest that's like a very hard visual to watch and I wish the show wouldn't do that so yeah what do you think about I mean what do you think about the physicality in general because I feel like we don't really get those sort of like those challenges today where they literally come back with like cuts and bruises. Yeah, I don't love them and I've never really loved them. It just makes me so uncomfortable. I'm always like imagining how I would react in the situations that I'm watching or how I would do in challenges. And it's just, I could not imagine putting myself in a ring with somebody and we're gonna fight. Like that is not a situation I ever want to be in. Like I'll just voluntarily jump off, I, I don't care. Um, it just makes me so uncomfortable. And then you do have moments, like, and there's accidents too. Like 
I believe it was an accident in Heroes versus Villains, uh, which I'm referencing a lot, but I'm currently rewatching it, so it's top of mind. But when they're in sort of um, a court, it's sort of like a basketball court, and they're trying to get coconuts into each other's nets, and there's people fighting for coconuts in the center of the court, and Rupert grabs Jerry and throws her into a pole and her head smashes right into the top of the pole. And it's like so uncomfortable to watch and such a Rupert villain moment. But it's funny though, because in Heroes vs. Villains, you have that moment with Rupert, who's a hero, and you have the James moment that you referenced with Randy. And you know, at the end of the James moment, Courtney shouts out, I told you you were on the wrong tribe, James. And so you saw these heroes acting, getting pretty dirty in these physical challenges. Absolutely. Yeah, again, again, something we were talking about earlier, it's like some of these challenges, you start to see who these people are as people come out. And I think those are some of the best moments when the challenge is more than just who won, who lost, but rather people revealing aspects about themselves that can either help them or hurt them as they move on in the game. One really, really physical challenge that I remember, I could not believe they played and I highly implore anyone to go back and watch this one. It happens in Guatemala, and there are giant rock balls, um, and they're just tasked. The, the The job is simple. You got to get your rock ball to the other side. It's usually I think there's three people on each side, and you're trying to stop the opposing team from getting the ball. It's like basically a game of like soccer, right? I guess that's how soccer is played. Oh, right. Okay. And the ball is at least. I mean, this ball I'm talking is like six feet tall. It's like as tall as they are. I don't know how heavy it is, but judging by the injuries that are incurred during this challenge, that ball is heavy. And it's one of those moments, I'm actually gonna go back and watch it as soon as we're done recording this, but it's one of those moments where I, as the viewer, was shocked that they had tested out this challenge and thought it could work because there are so many injuries throughout it. And the issue is the ball is so big that people can't always see, and it's a ball, right? So it can go in many directions. So you can't really anticipate which way it's going at times. And then also you have six people at times with their hands on it trying to push it in various ways just to get it down the field. I think at one point it it rolls over someone, if I'm remembering correctly. I mean, like, it is just a bloodbath. And so that is one where it doesn't happen again for good reason, but that is one that I remember watching and just being like, I cannot believe they did this. It's sort of like that challenge that they did in Africa and Gabon, except less physical, where they're having to roll their gigantic ball through like a, a course of some kind. Yes. Um, and it does get, I think in Gabon, it kind of hits somebody. I don't think it rolls over, but like all I'm thinking is if you wound up under that thing, like it could crush you. It's Crazy. gigantic. And speaking um, of that, I also like all of the challenges, and this is one they do a lot where they have the collar up on top of, I mean, this happens as early as I think season two, because I know Jerry famously was the collar, but you have mm-hmm. a collar up on top of like a giant platform, and then everybody else in the tribe are runners and they're blindfolded, and the collar has to sort of like help them uh, pick up these pieces and bring them forward. That challenge, you, I mean, literally, you could do a super cut of all of the times of people getting injured. I mean, there's one instance when there's been brutal. Ones. Yeah, but blood, blood just, everywhere. God, the amount of times someone's crotch rams, rams into something, that's one of those challenges that I'm like surprised continues to be played because like yes on the one hand it's funny watching like, you know, people like you know like hitting up against things, but there are times that I watch it and I'm just like I'm like this has to 
hurt so bad and they just continue going and it's just it's very surprising but that's one that has is definitely a staple in terms of it's started at the very beginning and it's so played even today they love that one it's the way jeff will be like wow so and so finished the tribe even though blood is gushing from their heads like Like, no let's not celebrate this one Um, the most uncomfortable one, I think, for me is the challenge in Micronesia where two people are tied together and then they have to go through an obstacle course trying to catch two other people from the opposing tribe. Right. It's like a game of tag and the course is brutal. The course is in the middle of the woods, just like dirt and then obstacles all over it. And in every scenario there's always somebody stronger who's leading of the two and dragging the person behind them and the big one was chet Chet. dragged dragged around (laughs) it was just like that was uncomfortable to watch and another example of if you're not physically strong not only are you at a disadvantage but you will incur injuries on the challenge because I mean, in defense of the really strong person, they're just trying to win the challenge, right? Like they're, they're doing what they need mm-hmm. to do, but at the expense of the weaker player. Like, like that's a great example of like this challenge is designed for weak people to fail. Like, you're to not just going fail. to, and you're not going to just incur injury. I mean, Jonathan Penner went home right. because of an injury he incurred right. in that challenge. So, and and you know, in their favor, I mean, they did. They have not done that challenge since. But it's just surprising sometimes where there are instances, especially going back to like the dragging people through the sand and everything, where you watch some of these challenges, challenges, and you're just kind of like, my God, like, is it all worth it? So I, I would say. The ones where they're the kind of like the hitting people into the water, uh, pushing people into the water. There are two people on a platform and it's just Mm -hmm. the last person standing. I like that because you have the option if it's getting too physical to just let them push you right into the water. Like there's there's a way in which you can do that challenge and not get hurt. Um, So that's that's one that's like more fun to watch. But yeah, uh, the show can get really physical. A favorite challenge of mine is, I just found out, called Simotion. And so that's the one where you have one arm tied behind your back, and then you have this looping metal mechanism that you drop a ball into the top of, and then it comes out of alternating uh, exits at the bottom of the mechanism. And then you continue to add balls as as the time progresses, and eventually you've got this challenge that's testing your concentration and your ability to like pace yourself and dropping the balls. And I just love, love that challenge so much. I feel like they do it a lot, but I don't think they've done it a handful of times. Um, and it's one that I think they can do. I think there's there's a thing that's gonna go off on a little tangent here, but I think a lot of the newer seasons are missing some of my favorite challenges for a variety of reasons. One, probably budgetary. Two, they're in the same location all the time. Um, And so you'll see, especially in the last like seven seasons or so, the same challenge settings. So there's like, there's like the challenge setting that's in the open field. There's the one that's on the beach. There's the one that's on the like very top of a mountain. And that's kind of it. And so I think they've actually played this one on 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 the set that's on the top of the mountain. Um, and so you can do that. But 
there's a lot that just like can't be done anymore and it might be because uh they're not allowed to like build on the island a whole lot or they've like have an agreement with fiji that they're not going to disrupt the environment so much Uh, but it is kind of a shame to see the way that the challenges have progressed over the years and into modern survivor where we just have a whole lot of like balancing balls on a paddle or standing on a thing you know holding another thing against another thing it's like it's a lot of that it is a lot of endurance and it is like i guess more or less gender neutral in its favoring of winners but it is i we've i do feel that we have lost some of the traditional dynamics of challenges yeah a couple more I wanted to mention real quick is uh, I kind of like, there have been several instances of this. The one that comes to mind is Ben uh, during HVHVH. And it's when <laughs> the challenge is, is going, someone is clearly getting out ahead, and they think they finished the challenge, and Jeff's like, something's not right, and the person can't figure it out. In this instance, mm. they're trying to spell the heroes versus hustlers versus healers, and Ben has one of the U's, uh, the U and hustlers, upside down and doesn't realize it. And I think that's a great example. And like I said, there are several throughout, but the challenges that are designed in such a way where even though someone can get really far ahead, it can not only, you know, you, you have a lot of these challenges where like House of Cards, for instance, and all of a sudden the, the, you know, the house falls down, you have to start over. This is an example that's an outlier in that, in that there's just one little thing that has to be changed, but if they can't figure it out, they can't win. And yeah. I don't think you get too many of those moments, but I think those are really fun. I've also liked on several occasions when they've had a hidden immunity idol hidden during the challenge. Mm. I don't think it's worked out successfully too many times, but I think the Kelly Wentworth moment um, that happens is definitely one of the best. That's in Second Chances. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Kelly in Second Chances. She's told that there's this idol there. Her tribe is all gathered around. It's it's behind her. It's affixed to this little one of the bases of one of the tables that was used for the challenge. And so Kelly essentially has to embark on another challenge, which is grabbing this idol without anyone seeing it. And the music and just the shots of her looking over it, then darting back at the tribe. It's just a really excellent moment. Yeah, that got my heart. That got my heart racing. And I feel like when they do that. I think that's been a very good innovation because when they do that, I'm more invested in a challenge than I have been in years. Right. But then you have like Troyzan and Game Changers and it was so easy for him to get it um, that there were too many instances. I know that happened again with Jeremy too later on in Second Chances um, where the idea for it became such that Kelly was the only one I can remember that really had like stakes involved and like whether or not she was going to be able to pull it off. All of the other ones were like, okay, they grabbed it. Like there was nothing there. Mm -hmm. One last one I want to mention that only early uh, viewers of the show will remember that has gone away that I loved was when it would be a a tribal challenge where they had to decorate their camp. And basically the idea was Mm -hmm. that a helicopter was going to fly over with Jeff on it. Jeff and like some sort of like environmental expert or some kind of rescue mission. Wilderness survival. Yeah. yeah. And so each uh, tribe was tasked with basically just creating some sort of visual on the ground using things that they had around camp to try and get the attention of Jeff and that person. And then that person would just decide like completely subjectively (laughs) um, which tribe they think did a better job. I like that one because it had nothing to do with like physical capability or even like, 
intelligence because there are some instances in which someone's just like, hey, I brought this paint along as like my, um, my, my, what's it called? Luxury item. Yeah. Some, I brought this paint around as my luxury item or some people would be like, oh, we should, you know, build a giant fire or blah, blah, blah. But I think it was just a really fun moment. And I, I think it's Marquesas. I'm pretty sure it happens in Marquesas where a tribe that had been losing a ton um, mm. was able to use that challenge and sort of like band together and get a win. And I just missed that challenge. I don't think it's like remarkably creative, but I think it's fun. And it's just like challenges like that that I miss. It gets back to this idea of survival. It, it it tied into the survival aspect of the game, which has kind of gone away over the years. But a lot of the challenge, challenges used to have to do with survival. So there was the SOS signal that you're describing. There was also, you know, build a gurney and go rescue someone in the woods. Love. 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 So, yeah, it is. I do feel it's a shame. And those are like easy to do. Bring them back. Uh, Are there any challenges that stand out in your mind as absolute flops? I mean, there is one that I think if you were to if you were to ask (laughs) anyone that's seen the majority of Survivor, there's one that comes to mind. uh, And that would be, again, referencing heroes versus hustlers versus healers. And it's the loved one challenge in which. I would love to know the behind the scenes story of like why this shook out the way that it did. But, you know, we're typically seen, we're typically used to with a loved one challenge, either they're participating with their loved one in a challenge or the loved one is on the sideline and watching them sort of play it out with for the opportunity for them to reunite, albeit briefly. In this one, it was just a matter of everyone was given a rock and whoever had the wrong colored rock was not, lost the challenge. <laughs> And so yeah. it just was like so strange. There was no strategy. There was no gameplay involved. It was all luck. And all, as you know, most people know, it's like if you win a challenge like that and you're able to give other people the opportunity to also see their loved one, you can really curry favor from people. I mean, that's the kind of thing that can really people can be so moved by that um, opportunity that you give them to be with their loved one. It can, it can do a lot for the game. It actually can affect the game down the line. I just feel like that one was such a strange example of like, did they just not want to play a challenge that day? Or like, did something go wrong? People go into Survivor with the goal of making it to the loved one visit. It is such a central part of every season that to have the challenge be pull a marble from a bag and if the color matches the color your loved one pulls then you get to see each other is so bizarre they're truly like in my mind there has to have been a challenge that they were going to run and something went wrong with it and they could not run it it's the only explanation it's just so bizarre there's nothing else like it that ever happens. Like I kept thinking, I was looking at it and I was like, well, there's gotta be some other examples of something where it was just, you know, that simple. There's nothing else like it ever. It's such an outlier in a challenge that is just 100%. Not only is it 100% luck, it also just takes two seconds to play. So like there's there's two things yeah. at play here, right? Which is like, <laughs> A, yeah, we don't usually typically do challenges that are luck-based, but it's also just like, hey, we got you all gathered here. Reach your arm in. Okay, challenge done. So anyway, weird. Yeah, there is one other weird example. It's not as simple, but in Samoa, they show up, the two tribes show up for a reward challenge and Jeff isn't there. And there is a challenge area set up. There are 
chickens and roosters as a reward and there's a chest sitting uh, by the chickens and they have no idea what to do they're standing around it is kind of a funny scene they're just standing there looking at each other being like what are we supposed to do and it was like Jeff had the day off and they had been left instructions to run a challenge on their own but it was only after they were like maybe this is just a free-for-all and they had started grabbing chickens and Shambo's running away with a chicken by the neck uh, and then somebody opens the chest and they're like oh wait we there's instructions here we have to run a challenge and then they literally play bocce ball <laughs> and it is actually like I having watched this recently it is actually quite a gripping challenge in the way that it plays out but it is so bizarre that it's like just like the way that it plays out and when it plays it like this is season 19 I guess they're trying new things but it's just like a bizarre little outlier when we're thinking about challenges totally another challenge that I hate is anything involving crates giant crates again (laughs) a theme that I keep expressing but it's like you get these challenges that tend to favor big brawny men and this is an, and this challenge happens all the time where it's they have to stack crates in a certain formula to create a certain pattern or, or spell a certain word. Spell what have their you. tribe name or yeah. something. Yeah. And it's just again too often than not, it's just the men stacking these and and able to come out of the challenge and be like, I'm the one that that got us this win. So I just I'm not a crate person. I hear you on this, but I will say that. I have always been riveted by the crate challenges. That challenge in particular where you're trying to s- stack, it's sort of like a stepped uh, a stepped pattern uh, that spells out your tribe's name. Uh, I think it first appears in Token Sheens. They play it in Heroes vs. Villains. And it's so... I'm always so riveted because the crates are so heavy that it takes like four or five people to even lift them up on top of another crate. And as the challenge goes on, they have to lift them even higher to stack them. And I just feel like there's been some great moments there. And in Heroes vs. Villains, it caused like the huge drama between Stephanie and James uh, because Stephanie was sort of like barking orders and James hated that. And Stephanie was talking over other people. And it just caused this Rivalry I never expected to see between James and Stephanie, and I thought it was worth it for that. Yeah. So I think to wrap things up, there's one that kind of is not a specific challenge so much as become sort of a staple of later season Survivor. I mean, it's present in some of the earlier seasons and in the middle there, but I think these days it's kind of like a challenge cannot be run without it, and that is the omnipresence of puzzles. Um, I think that... There tends to be a thought process. I imagine this is the thought process where it's kind of like, okay, we want to give there, we want there to be an opportunity to level the playing ground at the end. Basically, the idea being, if you have a tribe that's really physically strong, sure, they can get to the towards the end really quickly, but they want to create an opportunity for a less physically strong tribe to have a comeback. For multiple reasons, I think it makes things more interesting, but it also just allows the game to not feel so favored towards Brawn. But I think that too often than not, we just see so much redundancy in the type of puzzle that's played. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think that although I understand what they're trying to do, which is that like at the end of the day, things can just turn on a dime. I think this is one of the ways in which Jeff's narration can become the most jarring because you get that sort of 
Jeff thing that we talked about earlier, which is that Jeff cannot believe that the tribe was losing that was losing five minutes ago is now taking the lead and might just win it. And guess what they did? And like Jeff cannot believe it. He cannot believe it. They can't solve this puzzle. And it's like, yep, they can't solve the puzzle. Like, I just think too often than not, we get the same narrative with this puzzle, um, which is we get a lot of underdog narrative from the puzzle a lot. And so I just wish that there was more variety of puzzle, or I just wish that they found other ways to use intellect in a challenge than puzzles. What are your thoughts on puzzles? I, I do agree. I think that the puzzle thing has is overplayed like insanely and so many of the puzzles aren't even interesting to look at like i do i do i guess kind of like the you know the wiggly sort of tree puzzle that builds out from itself or the puzzles that are like build a pyramid with these four pieces that are really difficult to build a pyramid with um but the slide puzzles like the number of slide puzzles or the puzzles where you have to like turn cranks and then fit something you know, little shapes in between them. They're just not even interesting to look at. I will say that I'm beginning my Australian survivor journey and I'm only on episode three and they have had two puzzles that have absolutely riveted me because the puzzles require the participation of the entire tribe. And I'm sort of tired of seeing people place one or two people on puzzles at the end of a challenge, like you're saying. What's really interesting is problem solving a huge puzzle together. That's really interesting. And so I think there's an opportunity to like keep puzzles, but make them part of, make them the challenge right? and make them larger in scope and scale. Uh, I think that that's really interesting to do once in a while. Right. It doesn't always have to be a puzzle. I'm also really surprised that they've not implemented any kind of rule around looking at the opponent's puzzle because we get a lot of instances, especially when they're trying to spell out a word, when you have, because, you know, more often than not, the majority of the re- of the tribe is actually not participating in the puzzle building. And so they have free reign to look at their competition who might be further along in the puzzle and then turn and be like, oh, they're trying to spell this word. And it's just surprising to me that they wouldn't like make part of the rules that whoever's not actively making the puzzle cannot, cannot actually participate. Also, not for nothing, again, with the sort of like who gets to play in each challenge, if you are someone who is doing, because more often than not, the, the the puzzle happens at the end and there's a physical component leading up to it, that is often the men on the physical side. The men are then able to do the physical part and then can have a hand in shouting from behind about the puzzle. Whereas if you're not in the physical part, there's nothing you can do to help along the physical from the, from the sidelines. There's no like, you know, you can cheer them on. That's the most you can do. So again, another one of my frustrations, as you can see, I just cannot stand how some of the design of these challenges, but it's one of those ones in which the men are able to, to participate. Not always the men, but just, you know, the brawny people are able to participate in every aspect of the challenge when the more physically disadvantaged people are sort of not only relegated to the puzzle, but then also have to deal with all these people in their ear that think they know how to do it better. I just don't love that aspect. So I'd love some puzzle innovation um, in some way, but I, like you said, with Australian Survivor, I think it could be cool if there was an aspect to it that was more getting everyone involved, but yeah, I just, the, the monotony of it, the monotony combined with Jeff. Yeah, and I do also feel like it's 
super unfair when people are put on puzzles because they happen to be good at puzzles and then they fail at the puzzle because it's a puzzle that nobody's ever seen before and then they're blamed for the loss no matter how well they did or didn't do in in the physical aspect of the challenge it's like the puzzle person loses it which has never made sense to me and i'm surprised even continues to play out on the show because i feel like players would have moved beyond that by now but i've always thought that that was super unfair because i personally identify with the puzzle maker because i would be making the puzzle (laughs) if i was out there and i hate that they have that kind of pressure on them yeah so yeah, I think that that's our challenge assessment. I think as we um, look ahead, I'm curious to see if there's any sort of like challenge innovations that we'll see in any way. I'm very curious because they've said in the promos for season 41, which of course will be airing right now, so we'll see, um, that they had a year to think, to just think. And I hope that that doesn't mean that they had a year to think up bizarre new twists that nobody wants to see. I hope it was a year of thinking about ways to make the challenges more innovative. Uh, That I would really love to see. One last thing I want to say, just to give this show some credit, is the camera angles are never cease to amaze me on the show. You will never see a crew member. And in particular, when they're doing these challenges in which, cause they'll do a wide shot at the outset of the challenge in which you'll see the fact that often this is just a couple of floating platforms in the middle of the water and the camera people's ability to stay on the action, get close up shots consistently It's just a remarkable thing that these challenges are shot so well. And as someone who's currently watching Big Brother, not to say those challenges compare in any way, but Big Brother, because they do not have camera people, uh, Big Brother relies on, during the challenges, there's just uh, set up cameras in the backyard. And so you just don't really get, you never get close-up shots, you don't get action shots. And I just feel like Survivor, the challenges are really, really well shot. They're very fun to watch. And I think that is one aspect of the show that I always appreciate is just the how good it looks and how you really do get a sense of feeling like you're in on the action. Kelly Wentworth recently did a TikTok where she was talking about some behind the scenes stuff and she showed a picture in the TikTok I had never seen before of what it looks like when they're playing a challenge and it was the challenge set up and then an absolute wall of cameras like wall I couldn't ima- I couldn't believe the number of cameras they had and they were all on one side So like maybe that's contributing to it, but it seems it just it feels like you're there when they're doing it. So I don't know how they're doing it. Obviously, the aerials have to be they must be shooting those prior to bringing in all these extra cameramen, but camera people. But (laughs) no, it's probably cameramen. (laughs) There is a shot that I saw a photo one time of like it's a behind the scenes shot of the crew of Survivor and uh, not great by way of diversity. Not great. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, I think that about wraps it up. Is there anything else you wanted to add about challenges? No, I'm just very much looking forward to seeing where they go in the future. And I feel like there's been so much noise about the auction in the past year, year and a half during COVID 
that I feel like we're going to be seeing it sooner rather than later. That's that's just a gut feeling. Oh, God, we can only hope. One thing I am curious to hear from listeners is I would love to hear any super obscure, even one-time played challenges that you would like to see return to the game. That is one thing I would love to hear from people on because, you know, we're mentioning some of the bigger challenges that have been played and, and a few of the niche ones, but I'd really just love to hear, hey, there was this one challenge in Fiji episode eight, and I just want them to bring that back. I want to hear from you. Yeah, because I know we've missed stuff. I know it. And there's also so many great moments that happen during challenges and quotes uh, that we just haven't had time to get into so we'll get tell that. us your favorite channel ch- challenge moments okay thank you so much for listening if you are listening to this on apple Podcasts, please don't forget to rate and review we love a review don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it so you don't miss our next episode thanks for listening bye bye got nothing for you grab stuff head back to camp we got nothing for you either. <laughs> Finally, somebody says what people have been wanting to say for years. <laughs>